Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. United States sets world record with 1 million COVID-19 cases in a single day. New IHU coronavirus variant found in France. Grenada's national team players encouraged to get fully vaccinated. Trinidad and Tobago's health worker union says no to mandatory vaccines. Deported from Jamaica, United States arrest suspect in Haiti presidential assassination. Antigua and Barbuda becomes 102nd member of International Solar Alliance and Jamaica downtown Kingston to become music and tourism mecca. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Wednesday, January 5th. We start a report today with a look at the new COVID-19 surge. The St. Kitts Nevis Observer reports that more than 1 million COVID-19 cases were recorded in the United States on Monday, setting a new global daily record, mainly due to the highly mutated and contagious Omicron variant. The highest daily case count outside of the United States came during a surge of the Delta cases in India, which saw more than 414,000 diagnosed on May 7th last year. Monday's milestone figure is almost double the previous United States record of about 590 cases set on December 30, 2021. Dr. Anthony Fauci said that this amounts to an almost vertical increase of new cases and hospitalizations are also up. We are definitely in the middle of a very severe surge and uptick in cases, he told ABC's This Week. The acceleration of cases that we've seen is really unprecedented, gone well beyond anything we've seen before. Fauci is concerned that Omicron is overwhelming the healthcare system and causing major disruption for other essential services. Fauci noted there is accumulated evidence that Omicron might lead to less severe illness, but cautioned that the data is still early. I'm still very concerned about the tens of millions of people who are not vaccinated at all because even though many of them are going to get asymptomatic and mildly symptomatic, a fair number of them are going to get severe, he said. NJ.com reports that While the United States and the rest of the world has grappled with the rapidly spreading Omicron variant, scientists in France have identified a new COVID-19 variant called the IHU variant. Here is a roundup of the little amount of information known so far about this new variant of COVID-19, including what it is, how far it is spread, and whether vaccines work against it. The IHU variant was named after French researchers at the IHU Mediterranean infection, according to Bloomberg News. According to health officials, the variant has a total of 46 mutations. The first case of the variant was identified in a vaccinated patient who had just returned from a trip to Cameroon, Africa, according to a medical expert. However, medical experts caution that just because a new variant is discovered, it doesn't mean IHU will be as infectious or severe as other strains of COVID-19. 
So far, the IHU variant has infected 12 people in southern France. The variant has not been identified in other countries yet, and the World Health Organization has not identified it as a variant of concern, such as the Omicron or Delta. Instead, it is only under investigation, according to Bloomberg News. At this time, due to the small amount of cases identified, it is too early to tell if vaccines work against the variant. The World Health Organization is still in the process of investigating the strain to give more clear guidance on how to proceed. Now Grenada reports that the Grenada Football Association is encouraging national team players and staff to get fully vaccinated against COVID-19 ahead of the 2022 calendar. This appeal follows implementation of the new Grenada Football Association vaccination policy approved by the Grenada Football Association Executive Committee in October. Grenada Football Association Director for St. George and Chairman of the Grenada Football Association Medical Committee, Nigel Gibbs, said the decision was based on global entry policies, which are much easier to navigate for vaccinated travelers. Due to the high impact nature of the sport, health officials are recommending becoming fully vaccinated and following the COVID-19 prevention protocols as the best course of action to keep everyone safe. Vaccination will also affect the composition of the national team based on players' willingness to complete the procedure. The Grenada Football Association continues to work closely with the Ministry of Health to ensure all protocols are maintained as the organization looks forward to the restart of tournaments in the new year. Trinidad and Tobago Newsday reports that the National Health Workers Union said the mandatory vaccination requirements proposed by the government of Trinidad and Tobago are unacceptable, intolerable, and amount to a slap in the face of healthcare workers. In a release on Tuesday, the union, which represents 1,200 healthcare workers across the public and private sectors, said the workers have stood on the front line of the battle against COVID-19 since the virus was first detected in Trinidad and Tobago in March 2020. The National Health Workers Union acknowledges that the government, like many other governments around the world, is now confronted with extraordinary challenges arising from the COVID-19 pandemic, which it has been unable to bring under control. Instead of guiding the nation through these treacherous times with strong, determined, and innovative leadership, the only idea which it can muster is the empty and hollow response of violating our civil liberties, placing workers on the breadline and fostering additional burdens on already burnt out healthcare workers. We wish to state for the avoidance of any doubt that the National Health Workers Union will not condone bullying and intimidatory tactics by the government against our members. The National Workers Union reminded the government that no employer is legally empowered to impose the disciplinary sanction of suspension without play against any employee unless in strict adherence to good industrial practices and procedures. The rules of natural justice and the rules of procedural fairness and that industrial relations laws prohibits an employer from unilaterally amending terms and conditions of employment and or changing 
changing contractual terms without consultation. It said no employer is legally empowered to withhold salaries or other remunerations from employees unless there has been a finding of misconduct against an employee. It said imposing mandatory vaccine requirements not in the original contracts was not valid or legally binding unless all parties to original contracts agreed to vary the original contractual terms and that the proposed non-payments of salaries to unvaccinated workers is unconstitutional. The union, which has been in existence since 2014, said while normally it works quietly behind the scenes, the matter was too important on a national level for it to keep silent. The Hill reports that Puerto Rico will not allow businesses to operate after midnight as of Tuesday in a bid to slow the spread of the COVID-19 cases in the U.S. territory. Puerto Rico's Governor Pedro Perlusi signed a bill that came into effect on Tuesday after the December holidays and will remain in effect until January 18. We all want transmission to be reduced and to protect our children and young people to return safely to schools, which is why these restrictions are necessary. As I've said, I will remain vigilant to any spike of cases on the island to establish any additional measures that may be necessary, Perlusi said in a statement. The seven-day average of new cases in Puerto Rico have jumped from just above 100 in mid-December to 9,976 on Monday, according to the New York Times COVID tracker. On Sunday, 26,098 new cases were reported, suggesting that holiday celebrations contributed to further spread of the virus. New hospitalizations jumped from a low of about three a day, just before Christmas to 20 on Monday. According to the Puerto Rico Department of Health, 90% of the island's residents have taken at least one vaccine and 80% are fully vaccinated. In his executive order, Perlusi said he is preparing a new mandate to enforce booster shots. St. Martin Island Times reports that St. Martin's Minister of Public Health, Social Development and Labor, Omar Otley, informs the public that in accordance with his COVID-19 phased approach for nightlife, business hours will be scaled back to 1 a.m. This phased approach will be based on the hospital's occupancy rate and capacity to avoid possible collapse of our healthcare system while maintaining a balance in our economic activity on the island. For clarity, the ministerial regulation goes into effect today, Wednesday, January 5th, with the understanding that all nightlife establishments must be closed by 1 a.m. on January 6th. Here's a breakdown of the phased approach. Phase 1, 4 to 7 hospitalizations scale back to 1 a.m. If hospitalization should later decrease to less than 4 for a period of two weeks, then the time would be reverted. Phase 2, 8 or more hospitalization scale back to 11 p.m. If hospitalizations should decrease to less than 8 for a period of two weeks, then the time 
would be adjusted accordingly. Evidence has mounted that the Omicron variant is highly transmissible. It is far more transmissible than the previous variants and is becoming predominant worldwide. As the World Health Organization notes, vaccines are likely to have some effectiveness against Omicron, particularly for persons with severe disease, even if the performance is reduced compared with other variants. The minister is advising everyone to take personal responsibility for their health and that of their loved ones by adhering to the COVID-19 preventative health measures. We know how to fight the virus already. We have vast knowledge at our fingertips. And in other related news, the Virgin Islands Free Press reports that 10 people are currently hospitalized with confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the U.S. Virgin Islands' two main hospitals. Speaking at the weekly COVID-19 press conference at Government House, Dr. Ty Hunt-Caesar said seven people were in the ICU at the Schneider Regional Medical Center on St. Thomas, and three people were in the ICU at the Wong F. Louis Hospital in St. Croix at the time of the report. Hunt Caesar said that two of the patients at the Schneider Hospital were on ventilators and that one of them hospitalized is an infant. We're seeing higher rates of COVID among pediatric ages, including newborn infants and toddlers less than five years of age, Hunt Caesar said. This is the part of the population that it is unable to vaccinate and are being exposed by their parents, most likely. The best protection for these babies is vaccination among parents and family members. This is a request coming directly from pediatricians in our community. The nation is seeing record numbers of hospitalizations in the pediatric population, and so are we. Currently, we have an infant hospitalized at the Roy Lester Schneider Medical Center more than one week. We are praying for this baby's recovery. I'm encouraging the community to use your best judgment now, she said. HaitiNews.net reports that the U.S. government announced on Tuesday that it arrested one of the main suspects in the killing of Haitian President Jovenel Moise and charged him with conspiracy to commit murder or kidnapping outside the United States. Mario Antonio Palacio, a 43-year-old former Colombian soldier, also was charged with providing materials supporting resulting in the debt, knowing or intending that such materials support would be used to prepare for or carry out the conspiracy to kill or kidnap. He appeared at a federal court in Miami on Tuesday afternoon, but did not enter a plea. He was granted counsel based on limited income and is scheduled to appear in court again on January 31st. Court-appointed attorney Alfredo Iza Guriri told the U.S. magistrate judge Alicia Otazo Reyes that he recommended Policio stay in detention because he has no immigration status, relatives, or ties to the United States. The St. Nevis Observer also reports via riders that Palacio was arrested in Panama on Monday as he was being deported from Jamaica to Colombia, according to two people familiar with 
with the matter. Haitian authorities have arrested some 45 people in connection with the brazen murder, which created a political vacuum in the Caribbean nation, but have yet to indict anyone. Critics in Haiti have complained of slow progress, intimidation, and witness tampering in the investigation of Moise's killing. The St. Kitts Nevis Observer reports that St. Kitts and Nevis has assumed the chairmanship of the Permanent Council of the Organization of American States until March 31st. The Twin Island Federation permanent representative, Warren Everson Arlake Hall, assumed the chair on Monday at the handing over ceremony at the Organization of American States headquarters, noting that he assumed the responsibility in a challenging context for the region. The Organization of American States and its member states are at a crossroads. The ongoing pandemic has presented an additional challenge to the region's resilience, he said. As a family of nations under one umbrella. It serves no useful purpose to hide our frailties. I believe it is of paramount importance that we confront our challenges together. Outgoing chair and permanent representative of the Dominican Republic, Josue Fialo, thanked all organizations of Caribbean state member states for their constant support and for the collective effort demonstrated to jointly build a work plan for the quarter that just concluded. This year begins with great challenges, he said, offering the support and willingness of his country to work decisively in the direction that the organization determines under your leadership. The permanent representative of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Luan Galeen Gilchrist will serve as vice chair of the council during the first quarter of 2022. United News of India reports that the Caribbean nation of Antigua and Barbuda has joined the International Solar Alliance, becoming the 102nd country to join the India-led Global Green Energy Initiative. The Prime Minister of Antigua and Barbuda, Gaston Brown, signed the framework agreement of the International Solar Alliance on Tuesday in the presence of Indian High Commissioner K.J. Srinvasa, who is the commissioner to Guyana, Antigua and Barbuda, St. Kitts and Nevis, and CARICOM, the 15-member Caribbean community. The Indian High Commissioner in Georgetown, Guyana, tweeted the news, saying it makes Antigua and Barbuda the 102nd country to join the International Solar Alliance to catalyze global energy transitions through a solar-led approach. And finally, the St. Kitts Nevis Observer reports that the Jamaica Tourist Board and the Tourist Enhancement Fund have approved major projects directed at the development of downtown Kingston into a heritage tourism destination. Reports from the Jamaican Observer states that the finer details of the plan and costing are still being worked out, but the concept has already been approved for government funding and would be a private-public partnership. Regardless, as the birthplace of Jamaica's popular music, downtown Kingston will feature Beat Street, which will be located on the corner of Charles and Orange Street, which is anticipated to be a crowd puller among tourists and is being packed as the epicenter of cultural tourism tour of downtown Kingston. 
This move will no doubt please several Jamaica's outspoken musical artists, including bounty killers Sean Paul, Chronix, Footer Hype, who have been vocal over the years about the government's lack of proper time, attention, efforts, and investment that are not made into Jamaica's musical influence and the appeal of reggae and dancehall music globally. Orange Street and its environs are where the record stores, the bars, and the tenement yards were located that many of the pioneers and legends of Jamaica's popular music operated from. Personalities like Leroy Riley, Jack Taylor, Roy White, Tom the Great Sebastian Wong, Hedley Jones, Leslie Kong, Clement Coxstone Dodd, Prince Buster, Bob Marley and the Whalers, Lee Scratch Perry, Bunny Lee, Sonia Pottinger, and so many others made their start in the business within that area. Jamaica's music holds a premium place internationally. These projects provide an opportunity for local businesses to cash in and take their operations to another level internationally. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Wednesday, January 5th. I'm Keisha Wallace. Thank you for choosing Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup as your source for Caribbean-centered news right here Monday through Friday. Be sure to spread the word to family, friends, and associates. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, now Meta.